first and foremost, any program will work providing that there is a, a relatively decent structure in place in terms of exercise selection, you know, frequency per body part, and then the level of effort that you can put in. For a long time, we've had some of our best transformations ever of, of women who've trained three days per week. And just because they could commit to it. They commit to the sessions, be consistent. They got stronger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there was still that component of progressive overload. You could train six days a week, but most people, when they train six days a week, it's like this all out mentality. So they go, I'm going to lift weights and then I'm going to do some cardio at the end. And, you know, there's no real thought or structure behind the, the intensity, volume and frequency that they're doing with all their movements. And then they just, you know, they get two weeks down the road and they kind of shit the bed or they somehow manage to keep going after all this time. But the reality is when you look at it and just going, okay, well, how much have you added to your squat or to your bench press over that six months? Oh, it's like two and a half kilos. Well, you've put in a lot of effort for not a lot of return then. So that there needs to be some thought about that. But you can train anyway. I think two days is a little bit infrequent. Um, three days is pretty good. Four days is good. Five days is fine. Six days is fine. It's just you need to modulate the volume, intensity, and frequency based around that. So it needs to be you need, you need to look at you and what you can actually commit to, and then you kind of go from there. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by Craig McDonald, my partner in business and in life and fondly known as Coach Sausage in our program. Poor Craig, one night on a roundtable in our group, I called him Sausage and the name just stuck. Craig was the one who introduced me to real strength training. Prior to meeting Craig, I was stuck on the merry-go-round of restrictive diets and training two hours a day fasted, desperately trying to maintain a certain body weight. I fell head over heels with lifting as well as head over heels for Craig, and I ended up competing in powerlifting for a few years. I no longer compete but still love strength training, and I love the big compound lifts. Instead of training to look a certain way or to achieve a certain body weight, I now train for performance and enjoyment. I get a lot of questions from women asking me how many days per week should they be training and should they be doing cardio? Well, context is always important. And I think the better questions to ask yourself would be, what is my goal and what is my current state of metabolic health? So when I talk about metabolic health markers, I mean resting temps and pulses, sleep, digestion, mood, energy, sex drive, and menstrual cycle or menopausal issues. And then of course, what do you actually enjoy doing? In this episode, Craig talks about why he programs the way he does for the women in our program, why strength training is so beneficial for women and how it can improve the resting metabolic rate, the three mechanisms that build muscle, how many days per week should you be training, the different types of cardio and why and when they are appropriate. Can you do other exercises and play sport outside of lifting, recovery and why it's so important, as well as weight, body fat gain when moving to a pro-metabolic diet, when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate, and how we minimize weight and fat gain when women join our program. Once you've listened to this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you liked most about it. And as always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Oh, welcome back, Craig, a.k.a. Coach Sausage. Poor old Craig, uh, my partner in crime, gets called Coach Sausage in our program because I was on a live one night because I, I call him Sausage, as everyone knows, all these names that I have for him and his penis. Um, mm. So people now call him Coach, Coach Sausage, but Craig looks after all the training and programming and heads up coaching 
uh, in our company. Uh, so he taught me how to train. He taught me how to train with intensity. He taught me how to get strong. You know, I really, I really fell in love with strength, with strength training as everyone who follows me would already know because I crap on about it so much, but I really do think it's so empowering and I've never met a woman who has gotten strong and, and hated it. But today, welcome, Craig, first of all. <laughs> welcome to my podcast. That's a great pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> today we wanted to jump on and doing, talk. Been doing the sausage method. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and, you know, we wanted to jump on and talk about, you know, why we recommend women train the way that they do. We wanted to talk about cardio. Should mm. you do cardio, hit, running, you know, walking yeah. um, and movement? You know, we wanted to talk about, you know, body fat levels and strength goals and, you know, sh- you know, sh- will you gain weight <laughs> when you start eating pro-metabolically? You know, I think that's another big question that women get. So this is a bit of a multi, you know, we want to cover a, a, fair, a fair few different topics today because th- these are the questions that I get from women all the time. Yeah. And I think Craig will agree with me that context ladies context is so important so i just why i say that that is because i got this interesting message from a um follower the other day on instagram she said kitty you know i just don't understand why all the the ray pd people with the pro metabolic community are so against movement i'm like what do you mean i said i don't have seen anyone that i know that i follow that are against movement getting out and walking and you know playing with their kids um and she goes, you know, they just everyone's just so against movement. I'm like, look, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, I, I again have never seen anyone say that. I think they might say that, you know, doing a 10k run or marathons or a whole heap of hit when you know you potentially have a heap of hormonal imbalances and uh, metabolic issues to sort out may not be preferable. But I've never ever heard anyone say that you shouldn't get out and walk in the sun. Like mo- moving is absolutely, um, is absolutely uh, amazing. So. But anyway, let's that that's basically what triggered this. And then we started, she started asking about training and how should I be training? And, you know, because her goal was to look lean and muscular. Um, so, you know, I think that we can all agree that the only way that you can actually build more muscle is by lifting progressively heavier weights, whether that's, you know, there's different, I guess, sports in weightlifting, right? You, if you're sort of going to compare the different sports in weightlifting, what there's powerlifting, Olympic lifting, Bodybuilding mm-hmm. is a sport, mm-hmm. but they all lift progressively heavier weights. Mm-hmm. They just have different goals. It's different skills, I guess, isn't it really? Mm. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know. Different outcomes. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when it comes to building muscle, Craig, can you just sort of break down what builds muscle? Like we wrote, a, you helped me write a post about this the other day, actually, the three things that build muscle. <laughs> Yeah, so to you know to to keep it um, very sort of high level, um, the three mechanisms are, uh, and the main one, and this is, it's not like each three of these are kind of an even. It's sort of like the first one is like the vast majority, and the other two are kind of like byproducts of that first one. So, first one is mechanical tension, right? So, the heavy loads that you lift over time, um, and and taking your muscles through a full range of motion progressively adding more weight, adding more reps is creating more and more mechanical tension. Now, there is a bit of a misconception where people are like, so I've only got to lift super heavy weights to, to create that mechanical tension. And probably for a long time, that was kind of a thought process, but th- that's actually not correct. It's, 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 you can build muscle at any rep range, 
right? Generally, um, between five reps, so like a heavy, like the maximum you can lift for five reps, up to about 30 reps is generally the best sort of ranges. Obviously, once you kind of get out of that, you know, um, eight to 12, which is kind of the kind of the moderate level rep range, um, you're just doing high reps. So if you're doing like, you know, sets of 20 rep squats, <laughs> trying to progressively overload that, doing more weight, whatever, like you will, you will still create the same amount of mechanical tension, pr- providing that you're still taking that to, you know, as close to muscular failure as possible. So taking a, a heavy five rep set to muscular failure, or a heavy eight rep set or 10 rep set, 12 rep set, or taking a 20 rep set or even a 30 rep set to muscular failure is still creating the same amount of mechanical tension. All right. So it's about progressively overloading, adding more weight, adding more reps over time in any of those given rep ranges. All right. So basically, you know, one of the jokes with like uh, my other coach, Jake, he's like, whatever you're doing, add 50, right? That's his thing. So it's just, just add 50 kilos. And that doesn't mean do it at a time. Like over time, like if you added, providing that your, your form is standardized and you have, you have good form and good range of motion and all that sort of thing. If you add 50 kilos to the bar over time with the same amount of reps, your back is going to look different. <laughs> Simply, if you added 50 kilos to your squats over time with the same standardization, your legs will look different. So mechanical tension is the biggest contributor to um, you know, growing uh, muscle mass. Then after that, you have um, uh, muscle damage, which is obviously based off the amount of work that you do is going to create more micro tears in the fibers. And that in itself, when you do all the right things, eat, sleep and, and recover those, uh, those fibers repair, those tears repair and uh, they grow back stronger. And then obviously after that, you have um, uh, the other one, which is metabolic stress. Um, this is kind of like that burn sort of pump sensation. I believe that to be a lesser degree in terms of growth stimulus Um you know, people kind of say, oh, I'm not progressing. I'm not tracking my progressive overload, adding more weight to the bar and doing all that. So I'm just aiming to get a pump, you know, and they push it really hard and they get that big burn sensation and they do all that sort of stuff and they get a huge pump. But again, it's, it's still a byproduct because you would get that anyway, if you were progressing, say, a, 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 you know, 10 to 20 rep set of squats. So you would get more of that metabolic, uh, lactic acid response from doing higher reps. And I think that's why it's really important to work through a multitude of rep ranges for all of your different movement patterns. And as a, you know, as a result of you kind of doing that, you're going to get that kind of third point of that metabolic stress um, point there. So they're the three things at the end of the day, it's to, to, to keep it really simple, add weight to the bar and get more reps over time. Make sure your form is good and standardized. Um, make sure your effort level is really high, close to failure. And then generally all of those three mechanisms are going to kind of fall in place. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I remember when you, you know, cause like, obviously I don't have the knowledge around training and programming that you do, but, and I'm pretty simple, you know, I just, I really like our method cause I love simplicity. Um, mm. You're like, here's the weights you need to lift. Here's the food that you need to eat kitty. <laughs> And this is what you need to get to, to get that, that body that you want. So I just was like, okay, great. I'll just, I'll just do that. Um, but you know, one thing that really, that you said to me was like, okay, kitty, like, let's imagine that you've got two women that are both 70 kilos and one can deadlift 50 kilos for 10 reps. And the other one can deadlift a hundred kilos for 10 reps. You're like, who's going to have more muscle. I'm like, ah, well, the one that can lift more weight for more reps, obviously Mm. I was Mm. like, ah, okay, great. All right. So I just, I need to get stronger. 
Yeah. And you're like, yes, you need to just go in every session. And, you know, we, we, we track um, a calculated one rep max, don't we? So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. You know, we don't get our clients to test one rep maxes, three rep maxes. We just work in a, which I really like because some days, you know, I might, I mean, I'll typically try and fail at a certain rep range depending on the program. Um, but, you know, I think I, I really like training like this. So maybe you can talk about that calculated 1RM. Yeah, so it's, it's basically if, you can, if your absolute maximum 1RM squat is, say, 100 kilos, so you, you put 100 kilos on the bar and the most you could do is one rep and then that would be your failure point. Um, a calculated max is basically going, okay, I'm going to work off a sub-maximal effort. So say 75% of that, which would be in this case, 75 kilos. And in order for me to um, equate to that same 100 kilo max or try and get to 101 kilo calculated max, 75 kilos for 12 reps would equate to 100 kilo for one. If I was to get 75 for 13 reps, that would equate to 101 calculated max. So again, as I mentioned before, working through a multitude of rep ranges, um, providing that you're getting as close to failure as possible with good form is going to create the mechanical tension, everything that we need to stimulate muscle growth. Uh, We use a calculated max to um, kind of look at that uh, increase over time, because the only way you know you can actually lift a hundred kilos is if you go and lift a hundred kilos. But again, you're not going to, if you just went into the gym and just go, I'm just going to squat hundred kilos for one. And that's all I'm going to do. Well, that's not meeting any of the criteria of um, enough mechanical attention, right? It's, it's, it's going to be a stimulating one, but it's not, there's not enough work there to create muscle damage, to create that metabolic stress. So you're not going to get an adaptation from just squatting a really heavy weight for one, right? And this is a lot of the difference why, you know, powerlifters kind of look different to bodybuilders. You know, it's, it's kind of a little, it's not as much as it used to now because the powerlifting community have really got their shit together with their diets and they, they train a lot more accessories, a little bit more like bodybuilders now. So you often see a, a really awesome sort of crossover now. It's really, really cool. Mm. Um, but, but there, there is just a different in styles there that at some point the powerlifter has to train in those sub five rep ranges in order to compete in their sport, which is to lift a really heavy weight once on a platform at a certain period in time. Bodybuilders never need to do that. So there's no point in them. So they're always working in a range that's going to stimulate the most amount of muscle growth at any given time. Mm-hmm. So we use those calculated maxes to kind of see progression over time. If you can get your point up to where your squat is like 110 kilo calculated max, well, that probably means you're getting closer to be able to lift 100 kilos for more than one rep, right? If, you can, mm-hmm. if you've got 100, say 130 kilo calculated max, well, the reality is you're probably squatting hundred kilos for, you know, seven or eight reps at that, that stage. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you kind of use that as a gauge to look at your uh, training progress over time. And with always the goal that, you know, the, the, the amount of weight that you could squat for one eventually becomes five and then eventually becomes 10 and then eventually becomes 12 and then it becomes, really becomes 15. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's progression. That's creating that mechanical tension and all those things that's going to create that growth. And that's how we kind of track it over time. Like if your numbers are going up, uh, then you can't really deny objectively that that leads to progress. So. You know, I'm just bringing back to this lady that messaged me and, and, you know, she's like, oh, I'm just not sure how to train to, to look musk. I said, well, let, let's take a look. I asked her, where is your deadlift at? Mm-hmm. 
And she said, I can deadlift 80 kilos. And I said, how much do you weigh? And she said, 72 kilos. I said, so maybe you should stop spending so much time looking at what everyone else is doing and what they look like and just put your focus into getting stronger because that's not very strong. I just Mm -hmm. said that to her. I said, you're not strong enough yet. You know, like, for Mm -hmm. example, I can lift double my body weight for 10 reps. I'm not saying that you have to lift that, but you need to get considerably stronger than where you are at now to build that muscle. And obviously, I think, again, she said to me, you know, but Kitty, a lot of women, they're just too scared to lift heavy and and lift heavy like you all the time. And I said, but it's it's relative to the person. Yeah. I'm not asking you to lift what I lift. No, I'm an advanced lifter who's been doing this for a long time. You know, we have women come into our program that have zero experience training. So they might start with some bloody kettlebell or dumbbell squats to learn the movement. Then they progress to some front squats. Then they'll do safety bar squats. Then they'll do back squats. But the weight just goes up gradually Mm. and we program so that they build that strength gradually over time. And the thing is like with strength training, if you do want to get stronger, it's always hard because, because in order for you to, in order for you to grow grow some bloody muscle, you need to become capable of lifting weights you can't currently lift. So again, it's not, it's not about like there's a right or wrong way to look or, you know, but it's about if your goal is to really have that developed athletic physique, you have to build muscle like look at you know like i'm just using this lady's example stephanie senzo people will know who she is she's a power lifter yeah. real short though Looks real awesome. strong she's muscular she's Ooh. got some big ass legs <laughs> because she can yeah. squat and deadlift some big ass weights so mm. you know like benching see, you see some of these women that are, i know we're not power lifters but you know big benches they got big shoulders mm. big bigger upper bodies you know so i think you have to it all goes back to um, you know, or she, I'm just going to say Olympic lifter, like, or a crossfitter, like look at some of the crossfit athletes, they're jacked, so jacked, but they're strong, you know, they're really, really strong. Um, so again, I think it, it, you just have to lift progressively heavier weights over time. Um, and you know, we have, we have women come into our program and I think this is just, a, I mean, cause I like to use examples. Uh, remember that lady Craig, I know she's been in the program for about a month, X fitness model um you know she's because we work out everyone's lean mass and body fat and they tell us their goals everyone has different goals some people have health goals some people have body composition goals but her goal was i want to look more like this and she currently i think her body fat was 32 percent craig worked out um and she was maintaining that body composition that body weight consistently eating 2200 calories a day but Mm. her lifts she wasn't strong she could only deadlift 50 kilos so, you know, there's certain levers that you can pull. If you want to be leaner, we could cut her calories, but she's not going to have the muscle underneath once right. the fat is gone. So, you know, you just said to her, I remember you're like, okay, let's keep your calories the same. Let's keep your activity levels the same as they are now. Cause I think she was walking half an hour a day or whatever she was doing. And he said, let's just get your numbers to this. <laughs> you know, if you can get your squat, bench, deadlift, whatever the bigger movements she was doing in the program to this, you're going to look like you want to look and you're going to be, be able to eat and maintain the same amount of calories, if not more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, ladies, if you do want to look toned and athletic, you have to build muscle. Mm-hmm. So that means at some point lifting some progressively heavier weight. So the next point I think is, and again, I, context is really important. I just want to make this point that the recommendations that Craig and I give are for women that we attract into our program. So we designed the Win at Life program for women like me. So, okay, I don't have kids, 
but I'm very focused on our businesses. I love to work. I don't want to spend five to six days a week in the gym. You can absolutely train five to six days a week. In fact, Craig's current training program is six days a week. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to fucking be in the gym six days a week because I'm trying to madly grow saturate and do bloody savvy and do win at life and do new strength. And I'm like, I really like to be in and out of the gym in the hour, in an hour, maybe a little bit more if I dick around and only three to four days a week. Mm-hmm. So again, context is important. And the women that we typically get in our program are women, 30s, 40s, 50s. They all have kids. Majority have kids. They work full time. Um, they have one or more metabolic issues, so hormonal imbalances, you know, digestive issues, um, and they're busy. So they can't train five to six days a week. They physically can't commit to it. So mm-hmm. for them, the easiest, the easy, the, what they love about our program is, okay, great. I can, I, they say to us, they're like, okay, great. I can commit to these three days. I can get away from the kids for an hour for three days a week. I can commit to some walking time, um, you know, so they, they, they're like, this is great. And that's why we do it because I'm the same, you know, and when I go into the gym as well, and I was talking to Leela about this, Craig, just before on the phone, on the call, we were just having a chat and I'm like, you know, women have seen me train. I push heavy weights in, in at high intensity. So, you know, once I do two sets of leg press, two sets of squats and maybe one other, ex- two other exercises, I'm done. You know, um, I can't then go and train tomorrow. I might be able to do some upper body work, but if I actually train more, we found, hey, Craig, I can't recover mm-hmm. because yeah. of that such high stimulus. So yeah. for me, again, context is important. I don't want to spend five to six days in the week because I'm, I'm time poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of my recovery, I can't go and do a 5K run. <laughs> I can't go and do hit. you know, like my legs are sore. You know, I'm fatigued. I just, walking is, is good for me. But again, context. So talk about that, Craig, you know, because you're training six days a week. Yeah. And you, you walk. And we have women, we have a couple of women in our program who can do six days a week training for half an hour. Ooh. And they do six days. Um, so talk yeah. about, let's talk about programming and, you know. Yep. So, I mean, I, I've trained three to four days a week pretty much my entire lifting life really and that's just suited me um you know to to, uh you know how my schedule is and you know what what i actually wanted to do and all that sort of thing um i'm lifting um six days a week now just because the way my schedule is i have less time on a per session basis and uh it just allow and but but I've also like I'm I'm kind of at a bit of a sticking point with certain body parts, certainly smaller ones. I'm pretty long, like carbs. <laughs> yeah, like, like shut up, like, <laughs> like carbs. Yeah, no, no, sure, like carbs and 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 biceps and things like that. That you know, relatively small muscles. You can you can you can hit them pretty hard, but then they recover very very quickly. Um, and just trying to add more and more into a three or four day workout just become. Not not practical because the sessions just get long, long, longer and longer, and your session volume gets higher and higher, which then, at a certain point, just really starts to smash your recovery more and more and more. So it's sort of one of those things: the more you train, the less you can do per session. Um, and for me, at the moment, because I actually have less time on a on a per day basis to to train, um, doing kind of more shorter sort of frequent sessions like that, where I'm, I'm basically doing a um, uh, a legs uh, push pull routine so it's legs push pull off legs push pull off 
Um, so the, the, the upper body sessions are pretty short. The legs are still pretty taxing, but the, the upper body sessions are pretty short. And right now that's just working really, really well for me. So that's the reason why. But again, uh, if I couldn't actually do six days because of my schedule and whatever couldn't fit it in, then a six day a week program wouldn't be appropriate. So first and foremost, any program will work providing that there is a, a relatively decent structure in place in terms of um, uh, uh, exercise selection, um, you know, frequency per body part, and then the level of effort that you can put in for a long time. We've had some of our best transformations, best transformations ever of women who've trained three days per week. And just because they could commit to it, they commit to the sessions, be consistent. They got stronger. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there was still that component of progressive overload. You could train six days a week, but most people, when they train six days a week, it's like this all out mentality. So they go, I'm going to lift weights and then I'm going to do some cardio at the end. And, you know, there's no real thought or structure behind the, the intensity, volume and frequency that they're doing with all their movements. And then they just, you know, they get two weeks down the road and they kind of shit the bed or they somehow manage to keep going after all this time. But the reality is when you look at it and just going, okay, well, how much have you added to your squat or to your bench press over that six months? Oh, it's like two and a half kilos. Well, you've put in a lot of effort for not a lot of return then. So that there needs to be some thought about that, but you can train anyway. I think two days is a little bit infrequent. Um, three days is pretty good. Four days is good. Five days is fine. Six days is fine. It's just, you've, you need to modulate the volume intensity and, and frequency based around that. So it needs to be, you need, you need to look at you and what you can actually commit to. And then you kind of go from there. Um, in terms of like f- for you, Kitty, for example, it's like your execution and your intensity of effort on a per set basis is really, really high, which means each set and each rep is very, very stimulative. Like when your form is that good and you have that really good mind muscle connection and you just know how to, you know, if you're doing pull downs, you really know how to, you know, you retract your scapulas and really get your lats engaged and you know those upper back muscles and your rhomboids and stuff you can do all that with one movement like a lat pull down all right um and you can push that lat pull down really really hard and you know how to breathe and break down the sets to extend the set a little bit more to still get out more and more so your sets um on a per set basis are a lot more stimulant than most and that's why you can kind of train the frequency that you do three or four days a week you know, relatively on the, on the lower side of total set volume per week and still maintain where you're at, or, you know, maybe, maybe probably for you, you haven't made progress in an absolute sense to what you've done in the past, but Mm. that's not really your focus these days because you're so busy Mm. with everything else. It's more just to maintain your, your current level, which again, from a maintenance standpoint, once you've already built all that muscle, the ability to maintain it is really, really easy. Like you can get away with a third of the volume. This is why when Kitty says I do two sets of squats and two sets of leg presses and two sets of leg curls on, and that's her leg day. People are like, that's not a lot. And it's just like, yeah, but for her, it's, it's, she's maintaining because she's already put the years in before we started all this to, to building up that physique. So uh, that's where every person needs to get to. They really need to understand that, from from a from a lifting perspective, I, I often see there's a, a and I, I mean this in a nicest possible way, but like a five year old level of maturity when it comes to physique development. I've been lifting weights for twelve weeks or six months. Why don't I look like X, Y, and Z? And 
I'm not I'm not really too sure. I think it's just, you know, we've been marketed to so much with all of this sort of stuff, but it's like anything, you know, if you, and I always use tennis as an example because I've never played it and we, we did some lessons last year um, and I sucked at it. <clears throat> I didn't really enjoy it that much, so we just sort of stopped. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I realized like it's, it's that that's a whole new skill, like how to ho- hold the racket, how to hit the ball, how to move across the court. These are skills. And before I could even go and play a, a game, before an, Kitty and I could even have a proper rally, there's so much to kind of go into it to actually be able to even do that before you could even be somewhat competitive to play against someone else. And it would take months and months and months and months of build up, you know, years, maybe some lessons, all that sort of stuff to become good at that. You know, weightlifting is definitely that, but I, I believe lifting weights is actually even harder than that because there needs to be a lot more awareness. Like any person can go out really at the end of the day and just hit a ball, but not a lot of people can go out and pick up a weight and just squat really well. Like you have to have connection with your hip stability and core stability, understanding your range of motion. Like all of these things have to go into it. And then once you actually get the movement pattern right, you can then start to add weights. And as we know, adding weights over time, you know, takes a long time. And even if you're doing everything really, really well, a female could probably gain maybe 10 to 30 grams of actual dry lean muscle tissue on a per week basis, which when you think about that is, is nothing, right? So if that's all you could build, you think about to actually have a significant change in your body composition, it's going to be 12, 18 months, two years, you know, and that's generally with the best uh, transformations that we've seen in our program. Like that's what it takes to, to, to build that and to learn that skill and to understand execution. And then once you understand execution, understanding, um, uh, intensity of effort, being able to take that execution to the end point when everything's burning and hurting and then being able to do that for another sets and then be able to back that up for the next exercise and then be able to do that on a, on a session by session, by week after week, month after month. But like, it's, it's a lot of effort. It, it, it takes a lot and it never really gets easier, but you just get stronger and the ability to get stronger is the difference why people make the biggest changes in the long term because they've spent the time learning this stuff to get it right. And then being really, really consistent with, with that. Um, and I yeah. think again, every, like sometimes I feel like, like I, I don't know, I just, it annoys me because I think like use your brain a bit, everyone, like, you know, yeah. like if, if you're a woman who um, is 40 perimenopausal, you know, not sleeping through the night, low temperatures and pulses, you going and training six days a week, doing a whole heap of hit cardio. Yeah, it's, not it's, not, it's not appropriate for you. However, yeah. on the other end of the scale, if you've got, if you're relatively healthy, good temps and pulses, everything's great, and you can do that stuff and recover, of course you can do it. Yeah. Like it's again, it's so context dependent. I posted this great testimonial from a client. I interviewed her on her podcast actually, and uh, she's brilliant. Really severe PCOS her whole life. Yeah. She didn't do a lot of training in our program yeah. because it wasn't appropriate for her. You know, she had horrendous um, hormonal imbalances. So she really focused on her nutrition, reducing stress, getting sun. And now like her blood work is just amazing. And now she's starting to strength train. We've had other women come in who've had, you know, I guess middle of the range metabolic issues who have improved their eating, started strength training at the same time and seen improvements in both body composition and metabolic indicators at the same time. But again, the, the method that we recommend is suitable for our clients and, mm. and the ones that have the issues that they do because they're time poor 
they're already stressed. <laughs> yeah. They don't typically have great temps and pulses. They're not athletes, you know, so we recommend three to four days a week with low intensity movement because that's what's suitable for them. But, you know, we do have women that have been in our program for a while that their metabolism's awesome now. They're really strong. Like uh, Jen, Jen Swan, she does paddleboarding as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty intense exercise. Mm-hmm. But because her metabolism's better and she's recovering well and she eats plenty of food, she can do it. So I just, ladies, context is so important. You can't just go, everyone should do six days a week. Everyone should do hit, or everyone should do walking and everyone should train three days a week. It's about what is right for you right now yeah and i think i just want to add on to the the the, um gen situation too when Mm. she um so she has she doesn't do paddleboarding all the time she goes into the seasons and she does Mm. carnivals and she'll do Mm. like a month where she'll be doing week to week back um carnivals back to back and that's like two days of like iron iron woman stuff they don't do the running and stuff it's just like paddleboarding and and you know so it's just that one sort of thing but actually during that time we modulated her training volume down Mm. to, to uh, allow her to be able to be her, at her best on those carnivals because that was the goal at the time. She wanted to win. So I'm like, well, you going in and, you know, doing deadlifts and chin-ups and all these things that we want to do to grow your back while you're then going to be doing paddleboarding requires a lot of flat and back activation. It's probably not a good idea. So we, we, we changed her training around to kind of like, let's bring everything down to a maintenance level. So then the vast majority of your um, fatiguing output activity is going to be from your 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 paddleboarding stuff and then once we once we she finished that with that that kind of come down and then we kind of ramped her training back up so again yes context is dependent but understanding that you can't do everything all out at any given time recovery Mm. is Mm. finite so when we're talking about um lifting weights push you look at you know like everything we do we like look at the whole person and what stresses they got going on what's the sleep digestion you know like uh, like there's so many things that kind of would dictate um how your training should sort of go but if everything is kind of you know pretty good and you can you know that can be the main focus if the goal is body composition change um and improving that then lifting weights is going to have the biggest impact on that because mm. that's that's what's obviously going to grow muscle and that's what's going to change the shape of your body um your ability to be consistent with your intake and and doing all that sort of stuff is is obviously the other key because that manages your body weight and then generally from, um, the, you know, the other thing, you know, like people sort of talk about, you know, activity, you know, like doing aerobics or, or doing other kind of cardio-based sort of exercises. And, and the thing is, you can absolutely do whatever you want. But again, it comes back to the specificity. Try and say that word, Kitty. No, I can't. We <laughs> laugh every time. Specificity. Yeah. <laughs> Every time if we're having a fight, I'll just come up to him and say that word. He just laughs. It's like you're so. I know. Um, (laughs) Fuck, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, no, Um, go back to the cardio, like saying. So, so yeah, yeah. so so you've got to look at you as an individual and and, and going, okay, what what is the goal right now? What is the specific goal that I want right now? It's like, okay, it's to change body composition, it's to look better, it's to lose fat, it's to feel the best that I can be, all that sort of stuff. It's like, okay. We know that lifting weights builds muscle. We know the amount of food that you eat controls your body weight. The types of food that you eat controls how you feel, all right, at a, at a high level. And then based off that, your maintenance level or energy balance is going to be determined a lot by what you do in a day. So uh, be careful how I say this. Um, for a lot of people, not all people, 
there are times where they're like, I, you know, I dieted, I dieted down and lost all this weight. And then I, you know, regained all the weight and I've just continued to gain weight before. And I just, I can't sit at my same, the amount of food that I was eating before. Like that's now a surplus for me. And, you know, my weight's going up and a lot of people will automatically look to metabolism thyroid and all of these things as the reason why I'm, I'm my, there's something wrong with my metabolism because I'm just gaining weight. First and foremost, it's like, are you tracking your food, being specific, all that sort of stuff. But what we also see is when people diet and they bring, they bring their calories down, um, they go into an energy deficient state. All right. That's what a calorie deficit is. You're in an energy deficient state and that's why your weight comes down. All right. It's law of thermodynamics. That's the way that it works. But what we also see is when they die down, they have less energy, so they also move less, right? They're less active. So then they, when they start bringing their food back up, right, because they feel like shit, they start to bring their food back up, their level of activity doesn't increase. So their level of activity and the amount of food they're eating before, they've brought that down as a natural kind of uh, mechanism of that, their, their actual neat levels or their activity levels will go down. Then they then put their food back up, but they don't actually increase their, their activity per day. And then they, they see a, a greater gain in body weight. But what we need to kind of understand is that we, we need to try and find energy balance at any particular point in time in order for us to understand where it is that you need to go. So for example, in terms of doing cardio activity, if the goal is to change your body composition, the goal should always be about controlling your intake and getting really, really fucking strong in the gym. If you want to be able to eat a little bit more at that body weight, that is going to be determined by you living in a fairly high energy flux state, right? And by that, we mean activity. Steps per day is, is kind of the basic one we do, you know? And if you're, if you're kind of adding in something like 10,000 steps a day, that might be a couple of half an hour walks. That might be two five-minute walks for Kitty because <laughs> she's like doing 10 things while she's walking and holding Winston and doing Instagram lives and her hands are all animated and stuff. Um, she's just a high-energy person. All of these things can kind of dictate, you know, where your maintenance is going to sit. So when we talk about being active, we're not saying go out and go for a 10K run because we know that running – right, is something that's going to get you into a hyperventilative state, right? And anything where you're, in, you're going into a hyperventilative state that's not building muscle, you're now entering in that high threshold kind of aerobic system, that is going to eat into your recovery, right? Now, we know aerobic activity and high amounts of it is catabolic. It doesn't build muscle. So it's not specific to you wanting to change your body composition, so if that is your goal, lift weights, get really, really strong. If you do that properly, you're not going to have a lot in the tank in order to go and do hit and all this other cardio stuff. If you're training properly, if you're not training to a level of capacity, yeah, sure. You can go and do that stuff. Right. And I think, but I think, can I just cut in Craig? That's really important. Cause I think women, it's that, you know, that you can train six days a week, but it's like, if I train six days a week, I would die. At the intensity that I do, I couldn't recover. No, that's that's yeah, right. The intensity but, but, is important. But 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 also the way you're trained and the way your program set up is set up for four days, mm. right? So it just it would need to change. You could do it, but it would just need to change. But we've but tried it, remember. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, and it doesn't work for me. 
No, but you don't want to do it. That's, that's a difference yeah, yeah, as true. well. You don't want to train six days. You could do it, but you just don't want to. And, and it's yeah. set up for you to, to train those big movements in a capacity where it's going to eat into your recovery capabilities based on the stress and all the other things going mm. on in your life, mm. right? A lot of people don't train to that effort. So they're like, well, I lift weights and I do cardio. I'm in great shape. It's just like fucking awesome, dude. That's great. But that doesn't mean that that is the right uh, 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 advice for every other person. Do you know what I mean? So like for, for the way I train at the moment, I've had to change the way I do things and it suits me well. But if I was going to add in some hit cardio, 30 minute, go and run around the track and all that sort of stuff, I would shit the bed by the end of the week. So what do, what do I do instead to offset that is I walk. I have a 10,000 step a day um, activity target, right? Because also I'm mostly sedentary. I'm sitting here. He's not like podcast, me. Sit, no, but sitting on my ass. And, and most of the time, that's what I do with, 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 with what our business. So I need to make the time to, in the morning after breakfast, I go for a walk. Each meal that I have, I go for a 10 minute walk after each meal. And then I try and get another walk in in the afternoon. And that's going to see me kind of get my 10,000 steps. So that allows me with that higher activity, allows my food to stay a bit higher. It allows me to help recover from that training. I've, I've had a few people kind of ask about that in terms of recovery and kind of after you do a big um, uh, heavy training session, getting back into that um, parasympathetic nervous system, which is like, yeah, that, that makes sense. You, you, when you train really, really hard, you, you're in that fight or flight. It's really, it's your adrenaline's high, cortisol's high, um, blood sugar drops, all that sort of stuff. When you finish training, you should go and eat protein, carbon, fat meal, a fairly balanced meal. And then after that, you want to kind of spend a little bit of time trying to just kind of come back down and feel good. So just going for a walk in the sun is definitely the best way to do that. But at no point are you going to see me as part of my recovery, going to go and do, you know, something on the cross trainer where I'm getting up to the point. Any of my, you know, quote unquote cardio or physical activity stuff that I would do outside of the gym is never harder than anything that I can not nose breathe with did i say that right <laughs> it's a bru- yeah and again like we, like it's not that we're saying everyone shouldn't do cardio it's yeah. like you know you can train six days a week but you obviously like i like what you were saying mckinney you can train intensely or you, what do you say you can train you train you can train a hard you can train but, hard or you can train a lot but you can't do both, do both. yeah so it's like yeah. you know you i couldn't because i've tried i really love i guess because you've always taught me i've this is what i've learned initially and I've really been able to tap into that, like that grit in training and really push out those reps. And like you say, I love, I love training. I don't like to do fixed rep sets. I just find it fucking boring. Like we've tried doing five sets of 10 and I'm like, Oh, kill me now. So, you know, we've tried with me to do more days of training, but because I just can't pull it back. Like I just don't enjoy it. I just find it so boring doing fixed reps. I just love to go, okay, all right. What is that target today? I'm going to get that that target and it's two sets and I'm done, you know, but if I train like that every single day, six days a week, I would be wrecked. Um, and again, with the cardio, you know, you've got to, I think it's not like we're saying that you shouldn't do cardio. It's just what's appropriate for you at this point in time, given your goals and your metabolic health. So like, again, a woman who has some pretty severe menopausal issues or irregular cycles, her training that much and doing a heap of cardio isn't appropriate, but someone like, Jen Swan, who's got good metabolic health. She's strong now. She's recovering well. Temps and pulses are good. She can go and do her paddle boarding and recover because <laughs> her body's resilient to that stress. So I think that's you really, ladies, if you take anything away from this, is that 
you need to look at where you're at, you know, and what's appropriate and what you can commit to. If you bloody love training and you want to train six days a week, absolutely do it. But your program has to, I guess, reflect that. It allows you to recover, you know, people always ask, you know, like how often can I retrain? And it's just more like, well, what can you recover from? Yeah. Like it's such a, such a hard thing to kind of send. I'm like, well, I I don't know how hard you train. I don't know what your execution's like. I don't know what your exercise selection's like. Do you know, like if you're going into the gym to do a whole bunch of booty band work workouts and, you know, kettlebell hip thrusters or, you know, whatever the fuck, whatever. It's like, yeah, you can do that shit every day. You could do it seven days a week. It's fine because it's not taxing enough. Mm. All right. But that version of an intense workout isn't the same version of our intense workout where you're going into progressively overload your weights, you're trying to beat your logbook, you know, you're adding in the most amount of volume um, that has allows you to make progress, but you're not doing too much that you then can't recover from it. And then it affects your following day's training. There, there is, there is a threshold there, you know, and, and that is often going to change throughout the course of a 12 months, depending on what you've got going on in your life. Like I, I remember when I was coaching um, clients in the gym, um, my, my client, Brett, who's, who'd been with me forever, he was an accountant, right? And, and like I'd been training him for four years and we just knew like towards the end of tax time, like he was just under the pump, you know, and he still wanted to come in and train because it was, you know, good for him. Like he was behind a desk, really good for his, you know, um, you know, mental health more than anything, but just the physical. But mm. it was just like we would just pull his training right back. Do you know what I mean? And we wouldn't do really intense stuff because mm-hmm. when like he would, he would come in and he would just be so stressed, do you know? And like my whole goal for him during that time was like, you're not going to make progress. You're not going to look, you're probably even going to regress a little bit, but I just want you to leave these sessions just feeling good with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal for that, that month or so he'd be just like, you know, this is, this is really, really good. And, and like, but that was just, that would that made sense to do because if I tried to push him during that time, it's more likely he's going to hurt himself. Injuries mm. happen, you know. But people, like my my form was so good, you know. I just don't understand what's going wrong. And it's just like, well, you either haven't recovered or you're fucking stressed. Yeah, know? yeah. Like that's that's generally how that stuff happens. And you know, like I think it's each person has to take that responsibility to kind of go to look at where they're at at this point in time. And I was like, oh man you know, I'm on night shift at the moment or, you know, mm. I've got all this going on and whatever. And it's just like, cool. You know, like you trying to go in and max deadlift and do different things like that. It's probably not appropriate right now. And that's okay. Like you just pull it back to a maintenance level, right? A stuff that you could do fairly well. That's going to give you a little bit of a push, but not going to kick you in the ass. You know, the next morning when you wake up, you'll be able to maintain that no problem. And then once your life kind of straightens out, you can then start to ramp it back up. But that's what auto-regulating and, and longevity with this whole process is about it's about mm. you looking at yourself and realizing there are times to push and there are times to pull back mm. the more, more times you can get that right over the long term you're going to have much greater success mm. and again the reason that we recommend the way that we do is because it suits our clients yep. you know um and again it like the water regulation thing craig some days i'll have days where i don't feel like yesterday i didn't feel like I just was like, oh, I'm not really in it today. I don't know. I think because we've been trying to buy a house and I was I don't know, feeling stressed. So I just trained. But the day before, I don't know, like a few days ago, I felt so awesome. So I really yep. gave it a good fucking nudge, you yep. know. So when you're feeling good, push it hard. Yep. When you're not feeling good, don't push it hard. Like it's not that hard. Um, but, again, it's about what you can recover from. Yeah. 
really. So you can train six days a week. If you can recover and make progress, do it. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. And finally, I want to talk about fat loss, weight loss, sorry, fat gain. So we did, you know, I talked to you about the podcast I did with uh, the lovely uh, um, Fallon and Corey. And again, I think, you know, women are, am I going to gain weight eating pro-metabolically? Again, again, context is so important. So I just like to use examples. Fallon, you know, she told her story and she is someone who really has restricted hard for nearly her whole life. So from 17, she started dieting. She sent me some photos of her, um, this was after I think she'd had her first or second baby and she was tiny. Like her face was so lean. She was so like super light, super lean, has Hashimoto's, um, you know, restricted her whole life. Someone like her is going to gain weight and body fat to get healthy. But, you know, someone who's like 80 kilos, 90 kilos, 100 kilos, that is like 35% body fat, they don't need to gain body fat. (laughs) on a pro-metabolic diet, you know, like, and I also think too, like tracking, tracking your food is important. And again, it's about what you feel is right for you. So Fallon talked about how she just didn't want to track anymore. She tracked her whole life and she knew for her own, I guess, mental health that she needed to not track, but she also accepted the weight gain. Yes. She said, this is what I need right now. This is what my body needs. I've accepted that I'm going to gain all this weight. And I'm okay with that. But I yep. think where women go, like, they have these big freakouts and, and go like, oh, I've been eating 1,200 calories and ate 2,000, of course you're going to gain weight. And if you don't track anything, you don't know what you're eating. So we've had experience with women coming to our program who've been eating, you know, low calories. And because they've been really strict with their tracking, we've been able to bring it up very gradually and they've had minimal weight gain or minimal fat gain. But again, that's the choice that they made. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, don't you think, Craig, that's important? It's like, not every not everyone's going to gain weight, like on a pro-metabolic diet. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. And, and again, it's the the, the uh, or even body fat. Yeah. So so again, you you need to kind of look at it, and this is you know uh, this is from my own experience, and, and kind of you know with the, the lot of women I've, I've I've worked with, and I've seen that the, the reality is if you're like thirty five percent body fat. Um, you just don't need to gain any more weight, right? You don't need to put on healing pounds because you're already 35% body fat. You've already got enough healing pounds strapped to you, right? It's the ones that are that have severely strict, um, like sorry, Fallon was it Fallon? Yeah, Fallon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's the the ones that are super super tiny that have done the restriction that have all the real issues. Like I think about all the women that they come into the program who don't have a period or, or, mm. you know, stuff or that. They're all the real tiny body weight ones, mm. right? Mm. Sure. Some of the, 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 the people that are at a high body fat percentage do have those things, but I generally find they kind of fix themselves pretty quickly because yeah, all, better the, eating. Cause yeah. all, all they've got to do is like, stop, stop the drinking. Stop right. The yeah. Start, the start yeah. balancing your blood sugar, having protein yeah. and carbs at every meal. Get start the nutrients being, in. Yeah. Start yeah. being, start being proactive with your meal planning instead of having a reactive approach you know, add in the carrot salad, do all the little things like that, that we kind of talk about that are really going to assist all that sort of stuff and shit just kind of works out pretty quickly. Right. But that is going to be based off a caloric amount based off the person's, you know, current body composition, their activity levels. And the reality is if they're consistent with that, it becomes very, very easy, whether the food 
needs to kind of go up or down a little bit in order to kind of find that happy, happy energy balance. Like it's really not that hard. Hmm. A lot of people get this wrong because they come into um, potentially the, the pro-metabolic style of eating. And if they've come from a uh, keto background or, you know, different things like that, you know, we're kind of saying, look, it's okay to eat sugar. You know, it's okay to have lots of salt, a lot of ginger, all these sort of things. And if they've severely restricted, you know, they're, they're kind of in this state where they've finally been given permission to say that it's okay to eat. And because they don't have those lifestyle and behaviors in place, um, it just becomes a free for all, you know, and they eat it. And then because they've been so um, restrictive with something like that, it's kind of like this freedom thing. And that can feel really, really good. Like I get that, but like, like, going on the roller coaster and that's really, really cool too. It has to come to an end, right? And from, from that perspective, if you're kind of already in that higher body fat percentage, you have to be, you have to be specific and, and get a hold of your intake as quickly as possible because it does blow out very, very fucking quickly because you think about it, like a lot of the foods that we talk about, especially in our recipe book, like the fudge and the brownies, you know, these are hyper palatable foods. And for a lot of people who don't have that really good um, moderation sort of set up for themselves, they can't just have one. They'll cook yeah, up. well, they've been restricting for a long period of time. So they're still, you know, like I remember when I very first started to do this, it's like, you're still in that mindset of like, it, it takes time to get out of that, I think, even if you're eating adequate food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then like a lot of the, you know, the hormones that kind of regulate your appetite, they just go AWOL because you're actually feeding yourself properly for the first time. And, and, and just those things kind of get elevated for a bit of time and it just, it forces people to eat. And that's why, you know, we kind of talk about trying to eat more regular meals, you know, like mm. every sort of two to three hours, maybe six meals a day where you're having protein and carbs and you're, you're kind of taking that proactive approach because, if you're maintaining your blood sugar, you don't get the cortisol, you don't, you don't get those cravings. You can kind of manage it. But the reality is if you're over 35% body fat, you just, you don't need to gain anymore, right? It's not, it's not going to be any more from a physiological benefit point of view. It's not going to um, be positive for you to gain anymore because it only means you're going to, at some point have to get that off. And Again, I don't want to burst too many people's bubbles, but a lot of people are kind of going, well, I'm healing my metabolism. You know, when does the fat come off? And it's just like, well, it's just not magically going to come off. Like mm. you're going to have to change what you're doing from an eating and an out point point of view to start to see that. Do you know what I mean? I think there's still that kind of misconception that if I just eat really well and prove all of my subjective measures that the fat's going to come off. I'm like, it ain't going to well, work. You still that. have to be in a deficit. You still have to eat in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. But I think the issue is with most women is they just do it too drastically yes. and then they end up binge eating. So what yeah. we find with women, if we just set their calorie intake so that they've you know got enough energy and their subjective and objective measures are good and they're in a small calorie deficit and they're strength yep. training to build muscle and they're doing some walking, yep. the fat slowly comes off without having to do anything drastic. But consistency is key because let's say you're in a calorie deficit. I'm just using this as an example, eating 1900 calories, but then you don't be consistent on the weekend and that ups it to 2100. You're not going to lose body fat, you know? No. And again, it's the testing and measuring and tracking and, you know, like yeah. it's, and it has to be gradual. Like we look at some of our best Sean, she's lost nearly 30 kilos. She was 98 kilos when she started. She looks amazing. Now she's toned, athletic, tan, like she just looks healthy. Hey, she Ooh, looks good. Right. She's yeah. healthy. She did that training three days a week. Um, she walks a lot every time she yeah. does a live in yeah, her group. She's always yeah. walking in the sun um, yeah. and she eats 2,400 calories plus a day. But again, 
this lifestyle suits her. She doesn't want to train six days a week. You know, she likes just training three days. Anna Hansel, another really amazing transformation, 56 kilos, eating 2,400 calories. Again, training three days a week, single mom, four kids. She doesn't have time to train. It's not that training six days a week is wrong. Mm. It's whether it's appropriate for you and where you're at. That's yeah. all it is. And again, we we prescribe what we do because of the type of woman that we attract yep. typically. Yep. Yeah. But if you're an athlete who has no kids and is in good metabolic health, mate, go do all the fucking cardio you want. Train six days a week if you can recover. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think... Yeah, it's just, yeah, I think women have this thing against tracking. But my my advice to every woman out there is yeah. you've got to shift your thinking around the tracking. And I always feel like for me, tracking is about making sure I eat enough and optimizing. It's yep. optimization. It's data. It makes me feel excited. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to be all restricted. It's It helps me balance my blood sugar and have good energy and sleep. But hey, I always say to you, Craig, I'm like, fuck, if I don't eat enough, I have the shit of sleep, don't I? Like I'm really yeah. sensitive to lower calories. That's not unique to you. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, Yeah, so if I don't, yeah, make sure I eat this amount of food, then, you know, I I just don't sleep well. You know, I don't have very good energy. So it's like, you know, you just... Yeah. And look, to, I, yeah. Again, it's, it's, it is coming back to personal, like in Fallon's case, you know, she did restricted yeah. really, really heavy for crazy a ass. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and that's an extreme example, an extreme mm. situation, but you know, in that case, there's more to health than tracking macros. That's you exactly know, right. Yeah. 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 Mental health yeah. is always the most important. And if, 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 if your goal is to approve all that, then sure, that that's an option that makes sense, but you have to understand there's pros and cons to everything. You don't track, you don't know how much you're intaking. And then if your body weight starts to go in a direction too rapidly that you can't handle, well, that's mm. also going to cause you stress as well. Mm. So in Valid's case, she'd done it for so long. She was like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to feel good. That's awesome. But I would also argue in her case, because she'd tracked and she'd done all this stuff for so long, she has a really good understanding of what foods are protein, what yeah, foods yeah, are protein. Yeah, she's got a good solid you know, got nutritional a, foundation, yeah. And for most of that, you know, like an intuitive eating for, for some people like that, then, yeah, you can absolutely do that. Um, but, but, again, intuitively eating requires moderation. Mm. It requires a very good understanding of macros and foods. Body. Um, you know, so body. That's, that's a skill in itself. So you know, if you don't have that, then I, from my perspective, you, you should always learn to track your food. And that doesn't mean if you're spending every meal in my fitness pal, that means you're taking a reactive approach to your nutrition, which you shouldn't be doing. All right. It should be proactive. You should build your meal plan and you might fit whatever tracker you're using and you're sticking to that all week. So you just, you just know the food you eat. Like I, I wouldn't need to log into mine because I literally eat the same food every day. <laughs> Mm. I would never need to log into it because I know at what meal I need to have hundred grams of this and 200 grams of this. And you know what, like, that's just how it is. But I, if you're think, not, at, yeah. not at that stage, then you, you need to start with the basics. I think too, Craig, like the opposite for the women in our program who are bigger, like, you know, that really do need to lose body fat. The tracking for them is great because their problem is that they restrict and then binge massively, you know? Yes. So it's like getting them to 100%. eat more on a consistent basis and eat regular meals. So it gets them out of that habit of restriction and fuck, I'm just going to eat everything in sight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue. So, you know, we, we really believe, again, it's like, I just can't say this enough. (laughs) Context, 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 context. Look at the individual. There is no one size fits all. 
Nice. However, the one thing I'm going to fucking say is if you want to build some muscle, you go lift some weights. There's no way around that. No. <laughs> but how you do that is dependent on the person. Like you want to train six days, you can absolutely have a six. Craig trained six days. I train three to four days. <laughs> so, you know, it's both working. We're both. No, yeah, muscle. it all works. You can, yeah. you just, yeah. whatever you decide to do, just commit <laughs> and do it for long enough. And get, <laughs> get stronger. Get stronger. Like this lady that was messaging, deadlift of 80 kilos, you've got to, at 72 kilos, you've got to be stronger than that. Yeah. You're just not strong enough. It's got to be. Like regardless of whether you're training fucking one day, five days, four days, three days, that's not strong enough to look like you want to look. Yeah. You know, and the less muscle you have, you know, the more you're going to have to diet to look leaner. Like the more muscle you have, the I believe the leaner you can look holding more body fat. And again, though, genetics is important too. Everyone holds fat differently and the different yeah. heights and everything. So you can't, you know, you can just use body fat as a general rule of thumb, I think, mm. um, you know, so yeah, ladies, I hope, I hope that uh, answered, answered some burning questions. I think it was really good. Cause I just, just feel like I get lots of questions around this all the time on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else, Craig, that you want to add no, I'm before we finish up? I think we're all, um, <laughs> I think we've kind of got that message across, I think. I think uh, so too. Yeah. And be consistent, ladies. Just be good at it. Become good at something. You know, it's what I love about Damon. He was like in the podcast we did, you know, if people don't like lifting, go and find something and be good at it. <laughs> yeah. Be good at dancing. Just, yeah, be, be happy. Find be good at thing. fighting, kung fu I've, fighting or something. I've had shit. clients, you know, uh, over time, you know, it hasn't been too many, but, the, you know, they've come in, they've tried the lifting and whatever, and they're like, I just, I really just don't like it. I find it really boring. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I, I really want to go back to, you know, playing fucking netballs. I'm like, cool, go and play netball. Yeah, like that's just, you're not going to build muscle playing netball, but if you no, love it, like again, like, let's, let's just have a have a, a chat about your your goals. Like, just realign yeah. your 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 expectations, hmm. you know. And some people kind of go through it and they're like, yeah, you know, like I'm actually quite happy with where I am and I'm hmm. feeling really good about the food and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm probably not where, where I want to be with my my body weight, but for the first time, I'm actually happy and I'm yeah. not stressing out when I have to go out and stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. A lot of people never ever get to that stage. Yeah, and you don't have to like you should just be happy how you are. Like if you don't want to build muscle and you just want to do exercise for enjoyment, do something that you love. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we've got clients, hey, that um, I've got this friend actually, she does roller derby like yeah. on the skates and she loves it. She doesn't yeah. do any strength training. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's just a healthy body weight. She doesn't have heaps of muscle. Like she has muscle obviously, but, yeah. you know, again, it's not – we're only saying that obviously if you want to build a muscular physique, you have to do strength training. There is no other way really in yep. progressive overload. Um, but yeah, it's, it's back to your goals, what you enjoy, um, you know, and that's what really matters. Yep. Exactly. Hey. Yep. yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again, coach sausage. It was a pleasure having you, uh, having you on the show that. and I look forward to uh, having you on again next time. Okay. Great. <laughs> in the kitchen because I need to go and eat. <laughs> <laughs>